Welcome to the Entourage Podcast. My name is Paige Scott, and I'm going to be your host. Entourage Ministries gets its inspiration from Psalm 6811 that says, The Lord gives the command, and a great army of women proclaim the good news. Entourage is a multi-generational, multi-denominational, multicultural women's ministry based in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us today as we dive into truth from the Word so that your heart and spirit may be encouraged. Well, hello, everybody listening to Entourage Ministries podcast. My name is Jesse Salee. I'm not exactly Paige's voice that is normally on here, but I'm usually the one behind the podcast, doing the podcast. And then also, if you're local with Entourage Ministries, we have a worship service every second Tuesday of each month, and I have the honor of leading the worship. So how I ended up back here from doing a podcast in December, I don't really know, but um, I'm really excited to be here. And today I'm just going to share of what the Lord has really shown me, how the Holy Spirit has really just confidently given me the Word of God and just brought it to life in my in just every part of my life. So me and my friend Bailey are studying Luke, and we meet every week, every Monday. Um, sometimes we don't, I guess, because that happens. But we've just immensely changed as we've studied. And at the beginning of the year, this year, uh, we got to the part of the transfiguration, the story of transfiguration, and whenever— Jesus was transfigured in front of his three disciples. God told Peter, who in that moment wanted to make tents for (laughs) Elijah and Moses and for them to stay there. God told Peter two things. He didn't say anything about what Peter talked about. He just said, this is my son. Listen to him. So God told us who Jesus was. He identified him as his son, and he told us to listen to him. And for some reason, those words really resonated with me. And I knew that as I just continued studying this word, that I continued to study Luke, I wasn't just reading a story. It was a word that was um, hitting my heart that just got softer and softer. And it was changing who I am. And whenever I listened, whenever I really leaned in to who Jesus is to me, who he was then, what he did for me, what he did for every single person in this world, what he did for my friend Bailey when we meet every Monday. And I started to look to see what he was telling me as I listened. He's been telling me something that has come up repetitively as I've been studying the word daily. And the two words he told me was, receive me, receive me. And they may be words that you've heard before. They may be words that he's given you as well. But the three passages of Scripture I'm going to go over as He's just kind of given me this Word and the Holy Spirit has kind of meandered me through the Word. These three passages have just really stuck out to me. And the first one is the passage of the prodigal son. So Jesus is telling me, receive me as the prodigal son, not as his brother. The second one I'll be going over is the story of Mary and Martha. So I heard Jesus telling me, receive me, as Mary did, not as Martha. And then the third one's a little peculiar, um, but we'll get to it. And um, it's about the story of a demon-possessed man where the demon was mute and he couldn't talk. 
And so how the Lord tells me to receive him in that story is a little different. But so that's where we're headed. So the first thing that I want to talk about is the prodigal son. And you'll find the story that I'm, that I'm reading from, the prodigal son, starts in Luke 15, verse 11. And it gives you the story of the son. So I'm going to summarize the beginning of it. But what I love before we even get into this story is you find three parables back to back to back. And the first parable that you find in chapter 15 is about the lost sheep. The second parable that you find is about the lost coin. And the third parable that you find is about the lost son. And they all correlate. Because if you find in 15 verse 6, but the lost sheep, Jesus says, when the sheep comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. And then verse 10 from the lost coin, Jesus says, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then in the prodigal son, we'll get to the rejoicing that the father does to his son. So before we got into that, I just want you to realize for a second that we need to rejoice in the things that Jesus rejoices in. And he uses three parables to tell us that he rejoices in repentance. He rejoices in reconciliation. And in this transformation that he's putting me in and sanctification he's putting me in of receiving him, he has showed up in these passages to me and said, Rejoice in the things I rejoice in. Why? Because when I surrender the things that are of this world and not of him, and I give them to him, I can be reconciled and repent and be with Jesus and receive him and his goodness. So in the prodigal son, uh, just a summary of that story specifically, there's a son that asked his father for all of his inheritance before his father even passed away. And he left his father. He turned from where he was raised, from his upbringing, and he left and he took that inheritance and he spent it all and wasted it. And we find that it didn't turn out very good for him. And and it took him completely having broken pride and realizing that it wasn't any authority that he had, that he lived in his life. It was his own. And whenever he took his father's money, and his inheritance was spent, he was left with nothing, absolutely nothing. And he was full of shame, and he was full of guilt. And he convinced himself to go back home, but knowing something, that he wasn't worthy and deserving of his father. So he even, he even told himself, it'd be better to live as a servant of my father than to just die here and rot with nothing, to have nothing else. So his son comes home, And just like the lost sheep and just like the lost coin, Jesus rejoices in repentance and reconciliation. So we're going to start in um, chapter 15, verse 20, where it says, And the father arose, or the son arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this is my son and he was dead 
and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. So we see here once again that God rejoices in repentance, not in the fact that his son did right, but the fact that his son knew he didn't do right and he returned to him, to the one who loved him. But there's another character in the story, and it is his brother. And what I really love about just reading on about his brother is his brother never left. He never did anything wrong. He never asked his father for his inheritance and left behind everything and tried to live his own life. He stayed there. He was in the presence of the father. But how do we see um, the turn of events when the brother hears about the prodigal son returning his own brother? He says, as he was in the field, he came and drew near to the house and he heard music and dancing. He called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But the brother was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoted your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It is fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this is your brother who was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And whenever I think of the brother, I think, well, was the brother ever lost then? He wasn't away from his father. But then I realized the difference between the brother who stayed and the brother who left and came back. And the father said that the son <laughs> was received. So this brother who was in the presence of the father this whole time may have been in his presence, but he didn't receive the goodness of his father and all he had to offer. He didn't realize his unworthiness to be there. He just knew it was a right of his because he was the son of the good man. So I asked myself, who do I relate to? And at first, growing up, I honestly didn't understand being a good kid and understanding that if I was good, good things would happen to me. If I was bad, bad things would happen to me. I didn't understand that this was a heart problem of the older brother, but it was. And it wasn't that he did something wrong in the sense of wanting to betray his father. It was he did something wrong in the sense of he didn't want to receive his father, who was right there in front of him. The second story that really got to me was about Mary and Martha, and I love this story. It's in Luke 10, 38, so I'm going to jive over there really quick as my pages turn. So as I'm learning about receiving the Lord, what that really meant of receiving Jesus, Jesus told me to receive him like Mary did, not like Martha. And once again, this is a story that you're probably all too familiar with, um, but this is how the Holy Spirit really inspired me about this story. So in 1038, it says, Now as they went their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And we'll just stop right there and realize who welcomed Jesus into her house. It was Martha. It wasn't Mary. It was Martha. She was the one that initiated. She's the one that crossed the threshold and knew that Jesus was special. And so Jesus comes into her presence 
And then this is where the problem begins. So 39, and she called her sister Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So I really love this picture because Martha has presented Jesus into her house. And so whenever she feels the presence and is near Jesus, she does something. And it is drastically different than what Mary does. And instead of receiving Jesus, she asks herself, what can I do for Jesus to attain the goodness of Jesus? So she starts serving. And we even see right off the bat what Mary did. And Mary was at his feet. And as Mary was at his feet, Martha, in her attempt to get close to Jesus by her own means, gets frustrated And like we just read, she asks Jesus for help. So isn't that so funny? I just, I just, I feel like I was reading a story about myself when I read this because I thought, how many wasted prayers have I prayed trying to glorify Jesus by my acts, by my works, by the goodness that he's given me? And then in my overwhelming attempt that is failing, I ask Jesus for help when the only thing he tells us to do is receive him. So Martha did write in the beginning, which I think I've looked over because we always talk about Mary at the end. But Martha brought him in. She just didn't know what to do in the overwhelming presence of the Lord. It reminds me of Isaiah when he says, woe to me, I'm unclean in front of the Lord because he found the presence and knew he was not worthy. Peter in the presence of Jesus at transfiguration, he started babbling and he didn't understand that all he had to do was receive him. And Martha, who invited Jesus in in his presence, did not understand that all Jesus says is to receive him. So at the end, he tells Martha that Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. I just love how the Trinity is just so strong and powerful and how we know that the beginning of all wisdom is the fear of the Lord, but it's twofold. God tells us to fear, to not fear man who can but kill our bodies, but to fear the one who holds our lives in his hands. God is the only one that can keep our life or destroy our life, and it's in his hands. But on the other end, nobody can snatch us from him. And out of his abundant love for us and wanting to keep us in his hand and in his presence, he gave us Jesus. And Jesus said that if you are for me in this world, I will be for you as a gateway in heaven. But if you're against me, I will be against you. And Mary chose to receive him and to be for him. And he looked Martha in the eye and he said, her portion and her inheritance will never be taken away from her. The last one. The last story that really um, spoke to me is kind of odd. It is about the demon, Beelzebul, and Jesus. And you can find this one. Let me see where it is. It says Luke eleven fourteen in my notes, so let me go to it. <laughs> so uh, a little bit of context on this story. Um, Jesus cast out a demon who was actually mute. And whenever he left, the man spoke and people marveled. And there are two things that happen. Uh, One, 
First, the people accused Jesus of uh, being evil, of working with the prince of evil. And then if Jesus, when Jesus told them that he could not be evil, they also said um, that they needed a sign that he was real and he was true, even though they just received a sign that Jesus healed this man. And how he in turn responds, where we're going to start in verse 24 of chapter 11, uh, was very mind-blowing to me. And this is what Jesus says. When the, unspirit, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest and finding none, it says. I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits, more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. Whenever I read that after hearing or reading, so I guess hearing from the Holy Spirit, but reading of Jesus healing this man who was demon-possessed, and then he tells us about the miracle of cleaning that house out, that demon is gone. This person is walking away clean. And then he tells us that the demon will come back and it will be worse. And I just sat there for a minute and thought, oh my God. If I only receive your presence, if I only receive the miracles that Jesus does, if I only receive the signs that the spectators were wanting, but I don't replace the demon that fled in the beginning with who Jesus is, if I do not receive Jesus, if I receive being healed, but I don't receive the healer, then I will walk away and go back into the old life that I lived. I will walk away and go back to, and the torment will come back to me because I did not receive the true gift. And that was what Jesus does, being the gateway between our sin and going to the Father of God who loves us so much. And that is so strong to me because I just find myself time and time seeing my life and knowing that I'm broken and knowing that I need somebody to fix it. And so like Martha, I'll ask God, fix me, fix it, send help instead of trying to surrender and rejoice in reconciliation, like Jesus said, in three parables. You'd think I'd get it, right? Angels rejoice in heaven, for we were lost and we were now found. But if I'm just seeking healing from a wound instead of life transformation, I'm missing the goodness of what Jesus brings to be with Him forever. So Lord, I just pray today for the ears that that hear this word, Lord, that in confidence we know that it is from you, that it is your goodness that has shown us that you don't want to just heal us. You want to be with us. You want us to be in your presence and know it. You don't want us to just step in and have Jesus standing next to us and not even be changed by it. You want to change us and love us. And Lord, I just pray that as we dwell on your word and your goodness, that we realize there's so much more life apart from this world. And that if all we have is faith in who you are, that will get us to the next life. And if all we have is evidence of the scars on Jesus's hands for the days that he was here, then may we hold his hand into the next life and rejoice. We love you so much. In name I pray, amen. 
Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Entourage Ministries, visit our website at entourageministries.com or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. We gather for our monthly worship gathering open to any woman who has interest the second Tuesday of every month at the Monterey in the Arts District of Durant, Oklahoma. 